Matt Fagerholm is, uh, he's the man over at IndieOutlook.com. <laughs> he's the, uh, what is it? The assistant, assistant, editor. assistant editor at, at uh, RogerEbert.com. Uh-huh. So with the assistant man. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> at Roger Ebert. And he's our senior indie film correspondent. He's uh, here to tell us all about... This is one of my favorite times of year for movies. Oh, yeah. We're getting into the thick this of it. This is the time yeah. for movies. Ooh, Absolutely. There's so it's, many. It's, good it's ones cold coming. outside. You don't want to be outside too long. Go inside, get warm, get wa- warm watch the movies. Film. Yeah. And, you know, the summertime is for the, the popcorn blockbusters, but autumn mm-hmm. is where we get to a lot of the, the substantial. Uh, what they call Oscar bait. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I want to check out the the box office before we get too into it. Here's what Reggie has to tell us about who's making money in Hollywood. Hey, I'm Reggie Ponder, the real critic, and I'm not in the office this week. Oh, you can tell because this is pre-recorded. Anyway, uh, usually, you know, I talk about the box office. So I'm going to act like Jill is saying, hey, Reggie, so what happened at the box office? Oh, well, Jill, what happened at the box office this week is the number one film. Dun, 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 can I get a drum roll? The number one film was Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Man, it came in at a whopping $67 million at the box office. Now, that was a little over what was expected for it to do. But this is really great for the Grinch. Now, I I told you that it was good, but this was not for me the kind of, hey, I'm an adult. Let me go sneak in and go see this film kind of movie. No, this is the kind of film like I'm kind of curious. So let me go find some kids so I can go to this movie so I'm not too embarrassed. Anyway, did really, really well at the box office with 67 million. Uh, Number two at the box office was Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, Jill, I'm not in the studio with you, so I'm wondering, did you go see it yet? Did you go see it yet? This one came in at $31 million at the box office. Now pushing for a two-week total over $100 million uh, domestically. But when you look at this movie internationally, it is $186 million internationally. So the total worldwide uh, um, uh, amount is 286 million. Yay, can I hear some Jill, give me like a some some sound effects where it's like, "Whoa, yay," you know, that that kind of thing. Wow. What else is interesting about the box office? Well, there were some new releases this week. Overlord came out this week. It didn't do all that well. Uh, it was um $38 million to make, made $10 million, so you know that it's going to be hard for it to make the kind of money it needs to. The Nutcracker stayed in the top five with another $10 million, but A Star is Born is just chugging along, and right now it's at $178 million. The last movie that I want to speak to as it relates to the box office, which is number 10, is The Girl in the Spider's Web, A New Dragon Tattoo Story. Well, that was very disappointing with less than $8 million. The problem with this is that there are two more books in the series and this means that those two books will probably not be made into a movie. Hey, I'm Reggie Ponder, The Real Critic, just talking about the box office. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for that, Reggie. Oh man, those sound effects were (laughs) primo. That that was fabulous. Were amazing. (laughs) That's top quality radio right there. Uh, Reggie, The Real Critic Ponder, on vacation this week. He'll join us again next week. Well, not next week. Next week it's Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. This is our pre-Thanksgiving show. 
Thanksgiving yeah. show. Gobble, gobble. I'm Jill Hopkins. This is Matt Fagerholm. What do you do for, what, is, what do the Fagerholms get up to for Thanksgiving? I, we're going to have the family over at uh, my parents' place, actually. Nice. Uh, do you have a year. very large fantastic. family? Yes, big extended families on both sides. Nice. Both my pro- parents' products of baby boom generation. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, when you don't really realize how large your family is until there's a Thanksgiving or, exactly. like, or a Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or you have to make a seating chart for your wedding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Always a chore. Always a chore. But, you know, getting to see everybody at the same time is a good thing. And, and some folks have the tradition where uh, while dinner is getting ready, they pop out to the to the cinema. That's right. To, to see a little something and then come back all chit-chatty. Yes. and ready to eat. Is this something that that uh, you guys do? We, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah, movies are always a big part of the holidays. I mean, you always have the, you know, the traditional films you watch every year, and and that's one thing I, I miss about VHS tapes was that I was just as nostalgic for the commercials on the VHS tapes as yeah. I was for the actual stuff that was recorded. You know? Absolutely. It's, what it's, is that? There's like a Folgers commercial I remember from my youth, <laughs> where like the uh, the brother comes home from college, yes. and sneaks into the house. And his little sister wakes up to the smell of of coffee brewing or something, and yeah. she's like, "You're home, Tommy." And Tommy's like, Shh. "She's like, everyone's asleep." And then yes, the mom I comes saw out. that. Yes, I, that, that's exactly on like, ours too. Oh, Tommy! Soldiers, nothing comes closer to home. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Where and where do we? What do we have now? What do we get now? We don't have any good no, like nothing. Yeah, you can't you can't stream nostalgic no commercials very much. You though. really can't. Yeah. But I I'm excited to uh, sit down and, and take in some art house type films. Yeah. Uh, what's going on at the Music Box these days? Oh man, I'm excited uh, for tonight at the Music Box because I feel like this year, I, this this should be known as the year of Frank Oz. This was the year that Frank Oz made his Muppet documentary. You can still get on MuppetGuysTalking.com. It was a great film. It's Yay. still one of my favorite films of the year. And you, if you are as huge of a Muppet fan as I am, or as a huge of a Frank Oz fan, you're in luck if you are in Chicago because there is a Frank Oz triple bill that's about to be unleashed on us in Chicago. It's unofficial, but I'm Ooh. I'm considering a triple bill on the big screen starting tonight with his Little Shop of Horrors movie. You can see that at midnight is the first ever audience oh God, participation oh screening at the music box of Little Shop of Horrors. So I'm what is totally that going entail? to this. Are there? I have no idea, but I'm ex- I'm hoping there's lots of plants and lots of uh, oh my gosh. costumes. But it's it's a fantastic movie. Rick Moranis. Uh, I mean, John Candy, Christopher Guest, Steve Martin, one of his best roles. Yes. I mean, it's just comic gold from one end of the screen to the other. And it's also kind of a nice Trump metaphor if you think about it, too. If you think of Rick Moranis is kind of like the media and Trump is like the plant uh-huh. and the plant takes advantage of the media uh, until he doesn't need him anymore. So he eats the media to sort of the, <laughs> the perfect Trump, wow, perfect Trump metaphor in a sense. You know, <laughs> you just it's, blew my mind. It's, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited about that. Also. The weekend of Thanksgiving, uh, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra is showing uh, The Empire Strikes Back with a live orchestra. So you can see Frank Oz's great first Yoda performance in that. And then uh, next month, they're going to have all sorts of great holiday double bills at the Music Box. One of them is a double bill of Elf and The Muppet Christmas Carol. So that will be the culmination of (laughs) of my Frank Oz programming those are maybe two of my favorite holiday movies i know it's incredible and it's only like for two days so make sure to check out musicboxtheater.com for all your dates and stuff and then there's also like a home alone die hard double bill and then of course the traditional white christmas it's a wonderful life 
double bill that always brings in the crowds every yeah. year. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Way yeah. to go, Music Box. Oh, they they are the best. They no are question the best. About it. Yep. Let's talk about uh, what artsy fartsy movies we can <laughs> see in just a minute. But also, let's start with uh, Widows, the new heist movie. Oh yes. Uh, Reggie Ponder had a few things to say about it, and then you and I will chop it up. Your husband stole two million dollars from me. This is about my life. And because it's about my life, it now becomes about yours. <laughs> so I'm so glad you guys just played the trailer for Widows. This movie seems like the kind of movie I want to see. So if you saw the trailer, this really looks like a heist movie. And I like heist movies. You got four women who are forced to pay back the money their husbands stole from a drug ring. Now, I can hear you talking right now. Well, why do they have to pay back the money? Come on. Their husbands died and left their widows holding the bag, so they have to pay it back. So, widows? Duh. I love heist movies. When I'm looking at these kind of movies, I'm looking for scheming, the action, the suspense, and Widows has all of that, but it isn't the typical kind of paint-by-numbers heist movie. This film takes more time setting up the scenario than showing the heist. So we learn who these women are, we learn about their relationship with their men, we learn about their men, and how it's all connected to a political fight for power in a black community. You have this one established white family against this one established black family, and you really can't figure out who are all the good guys. But this is all tied to corruption, greed, and murder. So if you want action, you'll get it, but you might be disappointed because the character development and storytelling actually trumps the actual caper. But here's one of the things that you should know, is that Viola Davis is the leader with Elizabeth Debicki, uh, uh, Cynthia Erivo, and Michelle Rodriguez, and they kill it. Excuse the pun, but they kill it in this movie. If you are looking for smart, suspense, twists and turns, p politics, racial tensions, death and betrayal, then Widows, that's your film. This is a heist film taken to another level. This is good. Real good. I'm giving it three and a half reels out of four. I'm Reggie Ponder, the real critic, and I'll talk to you next week. You heard it from Nicely Reggie said. Ponder. Nicely said by three Reggie. and a half out of four. That's one of the highest reviews movies he's brought to us all year. Yes. Did you get to see Widows? I saw Widows at the Chicago International Film Festival when they had Viola Davis there. And the direct now we should say the director's name, Steve, Steve McQueen. McQueen. Steve McQueen is one of the greatest living filmmakers. I, I just Absolutely. feel his, his films Hunger, Shame, and Twelve Years a Slave, I thought were all masterpieces. I, I personally believe this is really actually we're talking about artsy fartsy, but this is actually his most uh, blockbustery, more yeah. more like popcorn entertainment type film that he's done. But as Reggie said, it is more about character. There's a whole lot of substance in there about you know economic inequality. Y using Chicago is a perfect microcosm of that. Mm. There's a brilliant shot of you know Colin Farrell is one of these politicians who's fighting for control of this community, and he's uh, arguing with uh, this, this actress Molly Coons actually, who is brilliant. She she was in a great uh, locally made film, The Wise Kids. They use a lot of great local talent in nice. this film. And they're having this argument in the car, and the camera stays outside the car for about a good few minutes. And you see 
all of this like impoverished community outside turning into these opulent homes within just like a, like, like one stretch of road. And yeah. just that one shot just tells you everything you need to know about the economic inequality in, you know, in the city and what they're using Chicago as a metaphor for. So I think there's a lot of power to the film. I mean, I saw it with an audience. People were cheering at certain moments. There were certain twists that made people gasp, including myself. So it totally works on an entertainment level and on a, on a more socio-political level, you know, in terms of the commentary. The, the one problem I have with a movie yeah. is, yes, all of the women are great. I don't think the other three women, I mean, Viola Davis is fully formed as a character. Yeah. I don't think the other three women get as much screen time as I would have liked, especially yeah. in the market. I want it to be more about the women. I want it to be more about their relationships. And instead, you get a lot of these thuggish guys, you know, killing people. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, who is so likable as the lead in Get Out, is scary as hell in this movie. <laughs> like, he's a great villain. And, and, and those are effective scenes, but I just wanted less of the carnage and more about... You know what is what is the real dynamic between these women? Which you you get a sense of it. You just I didn't I wanted that to be the subject of the movie more so. Is this movie based on a miniseries? Is that this what is I'm based on a British miniseries? I, think, I believe it's British from the '80s. And Gillian Flynn, our wonderful local writer, she yeah. co-wrote the script uh, with McQueen. She adapted it with him, and it has very much her edge. I mean, the the ultimate Gillian Flynn film, I think, this year is still uh, the HBO miniseries Sharp Objects, I think is one of the best cinematic achievements of the year. And I think it was a much better use of kind of her voice. But I mean, there's still a lot to recommend in this film. I agree. I don't think this is like the four star film that a lot of Chicago papers are claiming it to be right now. And I'm sure a lot of Chicago press love to see a great filmmaker working in the city and making great use of Chicago locations. It's a great looking Chicago movie. I just wanted more depth for the female characters. That was the one issue I had, but still worth seeing. I don't want that to deter anyone from seeing it. So. Reggie and Matt both agree. Give widows your money. Yes, and Viola Davis, one of our great actors of all her. time. She Absolutely. is just, everything she does is fantastic. And yes. She's able to like disappear into any role whether she's playing like somebody posh or somebody yes. impoverished or somebody nurturing, somebody mean. She's just so adaptable. And I'd love to see her as just a badass take no prisoners. Because yes. <laughs> you've seen that on television, but I'd like to see a, a film really utilize that well. Too, Me so. too. Yes. Uh, two of my boyfriends are in this next movie. <laughs> um, there's a little something for everybody. The Green Book. Yes. Green Book, inspired by True Stories. Yes. Uh, this movie stars Mahershala Ali. This movie stars Viggo Mortensen. I don't even care what it's about at this point, <laughs> but it's it is actually a very uh, great story that I think uh, maybe young folks in the United States might want to check out just to get a little historical perspective. Yes, it's. I'm very curious to see what the dialogue is going to be about this film. I've already heard some people saying, "Oh, this film is." racist or this film has some issues in terms of uh, how they approach the subject matter. And I agree. I, I think the film is a bit broad in, in parts, but I think it's, again, a testament to how wonderful these two actors are, particularly Mahershala Ali for me, because I, I saw this with Reggie. We actually sat next to each I other. I saw that picture on social media. It was very cute. <laughs> yes. Yes. We actually got to see it together and we had a great conversation afterwards where both of us had a little trouble getting into the film at first. It's about these two very different personalities. Viggo Mortensen starts as very much kind of like an Italian stereotype. He's just kind of this guy who, you know, find, you know, gets this job. He's going to drive around this black musician played by Mahershala Ali, who is determined to have a tour of the Deep South. 
you know, and yeah. this is, and he's really putting his neck on the line doing this. But he says, I want to, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to shake people's hands. I'm going to smile. I'm going to, you know, and, and just to make that sort of statement, uh, you know, without making a big deal about it. He's like, I'm just going to make a statement by just being there myself and entertaining these people and see how they treat me. And, and it's in doing this that the two men start to develop a real connection. And it is a film that really grows on you, or is a film that grew on both of us, actually, Reggie and me. We were very moved by the end of it. And what is really, what, I mean, I think Viggo Mortensen is terrific. He makes the character more of a stereotype than I guess it could have been in other hands. But for me, it's, it's Mahershala Ali that makes this film work because it is everything about how, how is, you know, the dignity that his character uh, clings to even when it is trying to be robbed from him, for, you know, in one way or another. And it's the frustration that he channels into his music. You can see that he tries to keep a cool head and even sort of temper in these very tense situations. But it's when he actually gets on the stage and starts pounding the piano keys. You can see all of that repressed sort of angst that he's been pent up. And I actually had tears in my eyes towards the end with, and it's really his performance, I, I'd say, is kind of the glue that makes the film work the most. And he's I, really, I mean, after Moonlight and after the amazing kind of breakout year he had, he's really become one of my favorite actors working right now. So. He's fantastic. And yeah. I believe he's going to be one of the guests on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Um, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> he's everywhere. He is he's everywhere. everywhere. And I don't mind because he's different every time. He is different every time. He, I would love to see he and Viola Davis work together. Oh, that yes. Would be I think that's going to happen. Yeah. So the film gets its title from the Negro Motorist Green Book, which was this uh, guidebook for African-American road trippers. Uh, in the mid-20th century to let you know what places were safe to go to, yes. what places were not. Um, and Vigo got into a little hot water earlier this month on doing some press for this movie. Mm -hmm. where he dropped an N-bomb. But, like, yeah. in a way that was just like, I sure am glad people don't say this word I anymore. know, I know. <laughs> so, Which it defeats the purpose of then if you say the word. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I think most black folks were like, all right, you're good. Like, yeah, <laughs> we get what you're trying to yes. say. Uh, and he immediately apologized he profusely. Did. He was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, I would like to watch a film about how Viggo Mortensen is 60 years old, because I don't understand <laughs> sure. how that happened. Yes. He, he and, and his wife is Linda Cardellini in it, too, which I, I always yes. like to see when she pops She's up and stuff. She's great. Um, and it's Peter Farley of the, the Farley Brothers yeah. directing this. It's just like I a know. totally total surprise. The same guy that directed Kingpin. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know. But like this. No, I think he does a very I think he does a very nice job. It's 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 a good movie with a great performance. That's kind of how I define. It. And it's definitely a crowd pleaser. It's proven to be in many cases. So. We are talking about movies with our senior indie film correspondent Matt Fagerman. Yes, here to tell you what to see with your family for the holidays. I do have one other recommendation. Please, actually. I'm gonna. I'm I'm going to throw out there because I think I, I teased this. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet is the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. I, I liked Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. I wasn't like a huge fan. It's like I'm sure I'm like outside of the generation People stuff. People saw things, that movie in droves, yes, though. It made so yes. much money. Yes, because of all, 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 the ref all the old school Nintendo references, and now in Ralph Breaks the Internet, we're getting a whole bunch of internet references. And some people are like, oh, God, we've already been through that horrible emoji movie. We've already been through uh, whatever, the, the, the new Spielberg movie, Ready Player One. Yeah. It's sort of a fusion of those two formulas, but I think done very well. I think they this is very much Disney's Pixar-type you know, nod in terms of the, the, the level of cultural references, the level of adult humor. Um, and I, I, I'll say this. I enjoyed the film. I, th I think the film is perfectly good entertainment for the family. There is a sequence involving Disney characters that's already teased in the trailer, 
where uh, the young character played by Sarah Silverman meets all of the Disney princesses. And this, I mean, if you are a Disney historian, like a Disney fanatic, you'll want to study this frame by frame huh. because there are there are layers of Disney references within Disney references that people are going to be freaking out about. And they got all of the living actresses who have played Disney princesses in the past to play those roles, to, nice. to, to come back to those roles. And you hear the actress who plays Ariel singing as Ariel <laughs> again, and she still sounds like Ariel. Like, it's crazy. Oh. So I, I for, for me, that was very, very much made it worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah, no, now I have to see it now. And stick through <laughs> the credits. There's a great uh, two end credit cookies that make it that make the, the wait through the credits worthwhile. So, uh, speaking of of, I mean, Marvel movies have made it uh, almost standard practice to oh, sit through yes. the the credits. Speaking of Marvel, yes. I would be remiss if I let our, our film correspondent leave without paying tribute to Stan Lee. Absolutely, the one of the. Uh, largest personalities in yeah. all of, of comics and uh, modern comic book movies passed away this week at the ripe old age of 95. Yes. That is an, a remarkable run mm -hmm. for a man who seemed to just have such a zest for life the yes. entire time. Were you a comic book kid? I, I wasn't, but I had a lot of friends who were and, you know, Stan Lee, you know, growing up again with like the the, like the Spider-Man reboots and stuff, you'd even see his cameos in some of those. Like, I just, I... I Grew, gained a familiarity with him over the years and everyone who met him at conventions just said he was the loveliest person who really wanted like I feel like a lot of people are saying the new Marvel movies it's trying to make it like oh we should you know support the big corporate powers and not look at the superhero within ourselves and that's what the films are saying but that was not Stan Lee's philosophy mm -hmm. he was very much about fighting the superhero within yourself about identifying with the superhero like we are the Peter Parkers we are like you know the, the people that will want to feel empowered and that was very much what the spirit of Stan Lee was and Marvel going forward, you know, what my hope is that they really do respect that spirit. And, and, and I feel like they have, by yeah. and large. I think they have, by and large. And the ending of Infinity War, as much as I wasn't a fan of that movie, the ending has real poignance now in terms of the loss that mm -hmm. you feel towards the end of that. It's sort of the perfect film to sort of go out on with Stan Lee. Although Stan Lee had a cameo in Ant-Man, uh, in, in the Ant-Man sequel, yeah. that brought down the house. <laughs> that, that man had a brilliant comic timing to the he very really end. Did. He really did. So, I mean, he's, he's right on the level of Jim Henson and like those icons who were just great people as well you know, and really wanted to make the world a better place. So. I'm, I'm very Wonderful guy. curious to see how uh, the movies pay tribute to him going forward. Yes. Uh, his cameos, of course, uh, were always very special. Uh, so, uh, and know. I'll just say this: Stanley fans will really like Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Well, there's all another I'll good say. reason to go. Yes. Then, thank you so much, Matt, for joining me. Thank you out there somewhere on vacation to Reggie Ponder.